Okay. Wow, some snowy weather on Sundays, huh? I'm glad you all got blown right into church. Oh, it was really blowy. We woke up, we thought we were in Little House of the Prairie and might have had to strung a rope out to the car. But no, just kidding. We can find our way back. But that was interesting because I got to Perth and it was sunny. So um, uh, that definitely is... Funny weather that we're experiencing, but what should we expect? We're in Canada, and we're not going to complain, right? We're going to be joyful, right? <laughs> yeah, all the moms are saying that, right? <laughs> so we're going to change gears today out of the words of Jesus I mentioned last week. We'll have... If you weren't here, we talked about the Holy Spirit last week, the words of Jesus about the Holy Spirit. encourage you to listen to that. We'll have that on the website this week. But this week, we're going to turn to uh, going through Scripture again in a book. And uh, so if you have a Bible, 1 Timothy. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. And we'd love to pass one out. GR is ready to go. But the book of 1 Timothy this morning... And over the next few weeks, we'll be attacking this book, not necessarily verse by verse, but certainly theme by theme, looking at the majority of the verses. First Timothy. So when you get through the Gospels, you march through some of the epistles, and then you hit the T's, the GE Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Right? That's an easy way to remember it. Then the T's, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and then 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus. And so the majority of these written letters are written by Paul. Yeah, but we'll get into that. Lord, bless your word. This morning, may our hearts... Be soft, our ears open to hear what you have to say. Holy Spirit, as we learned last week, there is no power without you. So as we lay out the foundation of some thoughts, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and give them power. That you would help us to see Jesus and the truth that Jesus proclaimed. We do pray for Amy's mother, your hand would be with her and that she would know you. Lord, we pray that you would be working. Again, we pray for Mary that you would touch her, that you would banish any evil cells away from her body. You would make her strong for your glory. Think of others who aren't well, that you would strengthen them. We think of God, our community, and that you would be working to draw all men to yourself. All our community, all our children, all our women, everyone, Lord, families. We want to see a move of your spirit for your glory. Pray these things in your name. Amen. So I gave this message a little title, Living Out Our Call Without 
fear, living out our call without fear. So we start this little study in the book of Timothy, if you don't know, six chapters. We're going to theme it out and see what the Holy Spirit's going to show us through his word. It's important when you begin any of these letters to know a little bit of the characters involved, to know where the letter was sent, to know a little bit of the culture. So we're going to take a couple weeks to explain that, even probably before we get into a lot of the written words. The author is declared to us here right away in the first verse, and it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior, And the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope, to Timothy, a true son in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, and Jesus Christ, our Lord. So today when we write a letter, we usually kind (coughs) of sign it at the end. If we're writing an official letter, certainly. We might introduce ourselves at the beginning, but we sign it at the end. And here... Paul introduces himself. He is writing to an individual. As we see, the first two Timothys and Titus are two individuals. They are young pastors, as we're going to know. So these uh, letters are written to these individuals about their work within different churches. Timothy, as we see, I'm not going to look at it too much, but he's in Ephesus. And Ephesus is a city that Paul had begun a church, and it's actually, we'll see next week, noted all through the New Testament. You can follow studies on the church of Ephesus and learn so much information. So just get the idea, Paul writing to Timothy, who is leading the church in Ephesus. Now we know Paul says very well, he's an apostle, of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God. Paul was formerly known as Saul. Yeah, you guys are good, right? Like, I'm teaching the choir today. Paul was known as Saul. He was, in his early days, obviously a Pharisee, a Jewish scholar. One who was dramatically saved on the road to Damascus, you know the story. He was chasing down those who were a part of the way. They weren't called Christians at the time, but followers of Christ. He was there when Stephen was martyred, holding the coats we learn in the book of Acts. But God dramatically spoke to him through Jesus and challenged him. And he fell off there with the light And the sound of the voice of Jesus, and he was changed, and then he went and was prayed for. He was blind for a bit, and really the picture, not only physical blindness, but spiritual blindness as those fetters came off his eyes, and he began to see. Paul was a man who desired to follow the law. This persecutor didn't understand grace at all. He didn't know God's amazing grace. But funny, he became the greatest preacher of grace in the Bible. Of faith and grace, if we think of all the letters that Paul wrote, 
He always is theming them out and asking people to be encouraged in the love of Christ, in the grace of God. And then, as we know that, our response is to obey. His life was built on the love and grace of God. All his ability and his achievements from his own effort to achieve his own righteousness were garbage in comparison to knowing the love of Christ. And we know that from Philippians very clearly. He calls it all dung, poop, garbage. All the things he did when he was a Pharisee to achieve his righteousness meant absolutely nothing to knowing Jesus. The love of Jesus, the grace of Jesus. And this morning, as you understand, Paul, you need to understand that we need to live in that same grace and that same love. Your ambition, as Paul's, should be to live in the love of Jesus Christ. It's funny, even if Paul was here, I don't know how we deal with this character. Some of us might be really offended by him for some of the things he would say. We wouldn't know what to deal with him. And certainly if I left and there was a position for this pulpit, I don't think you might hire him. On his resume, he might have murderer. Right? Okay, yeah, we'll bring that guy on staff. That's exactly who we're looking for. He wasn't one who we'd look at and be like, oh, wow, one who was beaten, one who was tortured, not one with a lot of appeal in the world's eyes, but certainly because of his experience with Jesus and the grace and love of Jesus Christ, he had amazing drive to share that with others. We can't really share God's grace until we've experienced it. Amen? We can't share the love of Christ completely till we've experienced it. And oftentimes when we try to share people and, and, and intellectually argue with them, which there certainly is a point to show them truth, but if you've never experienced God's grace and love, there's something missing from your testimony. There's two great needs in people's lives. They want to love and they want to be loved. And Jesus is the answer to both of those things. Paul, when he writes this, history would tell us in commentaries that he was older. So as he's writing this to Timothy, he's seasoned. He's been through a lot of things. He knows what God wants. He's been on all these missionary journeys. He's, he's in jail or just out of jail. He has suffered for Christ and he knows what's important. He has this amazing relationship. And as you go through this book, one of the things you're going to see is a lot of it is simply about our understanding God's grace and our character. There's not a lot of theology in these books. Paul had learned, and when he was trying to talk to these young men, it's all about Jesus. It's all about their character. It's not about what they know. It's not about the law. It's about the grace and love of Jesus Christ. You think when he got older, he would change his tune, but it became stronger 
and stronger. And even as we will enter into the book of Titus, you will see that that theme continues. And even in this book, what is the things needed to be in leadership or service within the church? They're all focused on character, and that comes from knowing God's grace. I want you to know he's an apostle, but it says by the commandment of God. If you read the other epistles, you might have read by the will of God. This is one of the few places where it says by the commandment of God. I am an apostle because God commanded it. Not only is it his will, as he mentions in the other book, but I really don't have a choice because when God got a hold of me, that was it. You're done, you're sunk. It's funny when people say, well, I think I have a call to the ministry. And someone could have confirmed it in their life or a call to do something. And sometimes they're running away. And I say, you can run, but you can't hide. Because when God gets a hold of you and he has something to do, no matter how hard you try to run away, he's not going to let go. Amen? (laughs) The commandment of God. It was something he had to do. It's something that became what he wanted to do because his heart became in tune what God wanted for him. And that's our journey. Basically, that's what we're doing, is we're learning what God wants, and then we're simply doing what he says. Who does he write it to? To Timothy. I love this book. I've taught on this book a lot. One of the first books I taught on, I had to do an in-service to other teachers in the Christian school where I taught, oh, I don't know, 14, 15 years ago. And they said, can you teach the book of 1 Timothy in three days to us? I didn't know what I was doing. It was really the first time I think I applied myself to truly knowing what Scripture says. But as I began to study this book, it became very clear, man, I am Timothy. I don't know, somehow you... You see certain characters in the Bible and you're like, oh, what they struggle with, I struggle with. Where they're a little strong, I do that. And I don't know if you've ever done that. But as I studied this book, I thought, wow, I'm so much like Timothy. Or at least I thought I was. But anyways, Timothy, when Paul meets him, is a very young man. We see in the scripture in Acts chapter 16 Verse 1, he was from Lystra. So Paul, on his first missionary journey, he was going through Galatia and the cities in Galatia. When you hear Galatians, it's not a city. It's a a group of cities. It's a province. And Paul was going through there in his first missionary journey with Barnabas. And he met all these different people. And he started these different churches. And one of the young men he met as he started one of the churches was named Timothy. And Paul starts to know about Timothy and about his life. And Timothy is very godly. He has a very godly mother. We find out through these letters and even in the book of Acts. His mother's name is Eunice. And we find out in 2 Timothy that he demonstrated great faith and his mother taught him the scriptures. And his grandmother as well, Lois. And we see an important, amazing role of family and teaching our kids. And the importance, the amazing, incredible importance of mothers investing in their children. And Paul knew it. We also find out in Acts, not only did Paul like Timothy, but the brethren spoke very 
highly of him because he did demonstrate amazing faith. But he's not an older guy. He's a young guy. And what we find is really interesting as we see this as well is his dad really wasn't involved in his spiritual upbringing at all. His dad was a Greek and might have not even had the same faith as mom. And so it might have been even a split home, yet mom and grandma are pouring in. And we don't know much about dad, just like dad is kind of a little bit absent. But is what absolutely incredible as we read verse 2, is Paul became a spiritual father to Timothy. He says, to my true son in the faith. And we see their relationship, and it's absolutely incredible. And Paul had such a love for Timothy, but not only because who he was, but he says in the book of Philippians, there is no one who demonstrates a heart for people like Timothy. He says, I have no one like-minded like Timothy. And if you know the book of Philippians, it's having the mind of Christ and esteeming others better than yourself. So here we have young Timothy. Here we have him. And Paul wasn't one to give praise so freely, saying, there's nobody like this kid. He just loves people. He puts himself down and he just pours himself out to others. No one like him, Paul said. And Paul had a lot of people with him. Barnabas, just think of who Barnabas was. This man of God and Silas and Titus and others. But I have no one who is so like-minded as Timothy. Obviously, he had many gifts and tremendous ability and he had a great spiritual father. It was interesting. I was thinking about this role of mentors in our life and being mentored when we're young or we're old. And I just want to encourage you all today that in some way you should be mentored by someone and you should be mentoring someone. You should be learning and you should be giving but you weren't called to be on your own. Amen. I remember in my life, when I went to college, nobody would come to me and say, hey, I want to take you by my side. But I really felt the Lord say to me one night, I would like you to ask, at that time it was Al Gurley in my life, you go to him and ask him if he will mentor you. I don't know why, I was nervous about that. He was an older man. I was a younger man. Al's obviously come here, but I remember the look in his eyes, and he was so thankful, and he said, okay, every Monday night, 9 o'clock, we're going to meet, and that's the way it is. So for the rest of the year, every night, 9 o'clock, I went to his office. He made time for me in the evening. He left his family. We met together for an hour or two, and he would talk, and he poured into me the scriptures and his life. Now, obviously, we don't have necessarily at different seasons of life all the time, but in some way, I would be encouraging you. You need to be learning and growing, but then you need to be giving. The greatest growth or one of the greatest ways growth can occur is us meeting as a body, not only corporately, but individually and pouring into each other's lives. 
And you might not get along with everyone, but I guarantee you there's someone in the body of Christ who knows a little bit more than you. Could you believe it? (laughs) And I bet you there's somebody who could use your love and your experience and that you could mentor them. There's so much growth that happens when we just sit down together and share our lives and share the truth. But we have to choose to be vulnerable and to get into those relationships and make time for them, not only corporately, but together. And nobody's perfect in this room. Amen? So if you're like, I can't tell them my problems. Every, what I've learned is, starting with me, everyone has problems. And everyone's broken. So there should be no shame and fear by asking people to invest or you even seeing someone who's younger. Hey, would you like to get together? Younger in the faith. Hey, you have something to offer. Everyone in this room has something to offer. I was just thinking about fatherhood just another week, just encouraging mothers and seeing the role of Eunice and Lois in teaching truth. But here... Fathers, and this week I just threw on a sermon. I was driving, it seemed, I was back on my circuit from going around from Carlton Place to Perth and Smith Falls, and I hadn't listened to some sermons in a while, but I put on one of my favorites. And I didn't even know what it was going to be, and it was about the lack of fathers, not only physically, but spiritually in our world today. And some of the statistics were blowing my mind as I listened to this. In America, just there, but even amongst Caucasian white, there's so many broken homes. The percentage of families and kids who grow up with active fathers in their life is climbing up to almost 40%. 40% Hispanic, 60. In America, black children, 70% of them grow up with active fathers in their life. Hello! Think of families you know, maybe broken homes, and we don't realize the importance of spiritual and physical fathers. He went on to speak of a study, and I'm like, I don't know if that really happened, but it was about elephants. I don't know anything about elephants. Maybe you've heard this story before. I know that there's an elephant on the wall in the prayer house because Leah painted it, but I don't know much about elephants, but... In South Africa, there was a certain type of elephant that was going extinct, so they tried to breed them in a certain park, and it really worked, and many, many elephants came about, but now there were too many in this national park, too many elephants. And so they said, we're going to move them to another park, and they're they're big animals, right? You just don't put them in a truck. So they thought, they're just going to move them with a helicopter and put a harness underneath them, and they tried the older male uh, uh, father kind of elephants, but the harness kept breaking, they said, we just got to get some out of here, so we'll just take the young males and move them. So they took a, a lot of young males, moved them to another park. And, and in this other park, as those young males were there, there became an interesting situation going on. All the rhinoceroses were dying, and they didn't know why. They thought it was a disease, but then they put cameras in the park. Someone actually wrote a little book on this. And what happened is these young elephants were killing these rhinoceros, and doing things they shouldn't do, but you'll have to read the study yourself. They didn't know what to do. They finally thought, we need probably, let's try and get the other elephants there, some, some of the older male elephants, and so they actually did create a way to get them there, maybe stronger harnesses, 
but it is really true, and they have video of this, but as they brought in the older male elephants, within six weeks, no rhinoceroses were ever killed again. And the reality is those young elephants weren't being taught what was right or wrong. And as the older elephants came in, these are animals, by the way, that all the behavior that was wrong stopped. And we wonder in our society why it's running wild. Because there's an absence of spiritual and physical fathers just saying what is right and wrong to the younger population and spiritually even see it. If there's an absence of spiritual mentors, women or men, we're going to get a lot of things happening that aren't what God wants. And dads, I want to encourage you. It's not Father's Day. But you have a role to play. You have a role to play in your children's lives. And just leading them and directing them and being an example. And showing them what is right and wrong by your behavior. And sometimes exhortation is needed. Amen? Sometimes discerning. And we need mums like Eunice and Lois investing. And we need dads doing what they're called to do. We need families operating the way God wants us to operate. And we all fail. I'm not here to condemn anyone because I'd be the first one to say I've failed. But I'm here to say, in Jesus Christ, who strengthens us, we can do it. And you might have failed. It's okay. I have failed. But today's a new day and his mercy is new. And no matter how old our kids are, whether you don't have kids and there's someone you can invest in in the body of Christ, whether it's a young man or a young woman or a young Christian, we need to take up what we're called to do and do it for his glory and stop being distracted by the things of the world. Amen. We need some people to say, I'm the true mother of so-and-so spiritually. I'm the true father of so-and-so. I worked in their life. I love them. There's a genuine relationship. I can tell you what they're good at or bad at. Or you could tell me. And how important it is. And we see something of character even in these first two verses. Paul's not writing a letter to someone he doesn't know. To Timothy. Timothy, my true son in the faith. Well, Timothy, I've said a lot of good characters, but maybe this is where I saw myself in Timothy. Timothy did have some struggles. And you probably might know them. Does anyone know one of Timothy's struggles? What was he known for? Art? Yes. I feel like I'm in class. Yeah, raise your hand. (laughs) Anyone want to add to that? It was fearful, right? Timothy struggled. He was timid and fearful, and Paul knew it. And if you read this letter, and as you will, hopefully this week, you'll pour over this letter, that you got a dad who's getting in his son's face, and he's like, let's go, you can do it. Sometimes we need a dad to do that, right? Sometimes we need moms to do that. Sometimes we need friends to do that. And basically, Paul 
says to him numerous times, I command you, I urge you, I charge you. Let's stir it up. Right? Let's go, Timothy. Remain there. Teach no other doctrine. This is the way it is. Don't let them look down on you because you're young. 1 Timothy 4. Let's go. Be an example in character. This is what you're supposed to teach. Three times in these two books, he said, the eldership laid hands on you and you received gifts, so why don't you start using them and don't be afraid? Verses you might know as well. You know, do not be afraid. I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1. Paul knew him so well, kind of like his spiritual father, looked into his eyes with this letter and said, yeah, there's older people. Yeah, they're on top of you. But you hold to the call. I command you, I charge you that you can do it. As I mentioned three times, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. I charge and commit you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies made concerning you, that by them that you may wage good warfare. I just, I read those and I say, wow, prophecy, laying on of hands, gifts, and walking in what you're called to do. I heard something this week that I didn't know. The most repeated command in the Bible, not the most important command, but the most repeated command is this. Do not be afraid. In number, it's quoted more than anything else. Do not be afraid because fear is a tool of the devil to stop you from walking in God's call for your life. And a lot of the symptoms you're dealing with are from the root of fear. A lot of the symptoms in my life are from the root of fear. If you're a controlling person, the reason is you're fearful. <laughs> it's not controls the problem, you're fearful. I know that one well. <laughs> well, what does God say? What does God's word say? Stir it up. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. What does God's word say? Perfect love casts out all fear. And I believe this morning that God has a word for someone in this word or something that you can cling to that God wants you to stir up the gifts in your life and stop letting fear stop you from walking in what God's called you to do. The devil knows, in a sense, that you are strong and he wants to destroy what you can do for his kingdom, but we have to say enough is enough. Joshua, remember the story? Joshua chapter 1. He took over after Moses. He was a little fearful. He's got all these people. He's been commanded to take them into the promised land. Not sure how he's going to do it. Moses is a pretty hard act to follow, right? He was a pretty darn good leader. Pretty powerful leader. 
and here's Joshua who was by his side the whole time, and now you're in charge. And what does God say to him in the first chapter of Joshua as he's going to step into his call to what God's asked him to do? You can read it for yourself, but it says, do not be afraid. That's what God's saying to us today. Do not be afraid. What are your gifts? Everyone in this room has a gift from the Lord to edify the body of Christ. You might have one, you might have two, you might have three. It doesn't really matter, period. But I just want to encourage you to stir that up. And if you don't know what your gift is, we pray after service, get in your little group or come to me or the leaders anytime and say, would you just pray for me that I would know what my spiritual gift is? And we would love to do that. And then, as you know, to empower you to use it for God's glory. But too many of us are sitting afraid and living in the symptoms of fear when God is calling us to stir it up, to use it, to do it. Think about sharing your faith. What is one of the greatest reasons we don't share our faith is fear. Can I tell you, stir it up. Stir it up. What do I see with men in their homes? One of the greatest reasons they're not leading their homes is they're afraid of their past failure. Stir it up. Stop listening to the lies. Stir it up. For people who have called to serve and to love and are afraid what people will think of them because the devil's lied to them because they don't truly know the love of God. And so what if we fail? Failure is the biggest lesson in life, amen? And who do you know will love you no matter whether you fail or succeed? Come on, this isn't a hard question. Your family might not love you, but who will love you? God never stops loving you, and if you live in that love, you can do what you're called to do. His perfect love drives that all away. I guess this morning, stir it up, but don't look at the fear, don't look at the situation. Can I encourage you? Look at Jesus and His perfect love for you. Did you hear me? You are not valued because of what you do. You're not valued actually because of your gift or how well you do it or how bad you do it. You are valued because you are a chosen child of Jesus Christ. That value never changes whether you succeed or fail. So why don't we try? Because it doesn't matter if people like me or don't like me. And why do I know this? This is my life. I'm Timothy. Amen? (laughs) but I can walk in the love of Christ and it will drive out the fear that I may use my gifts for His glory. We need to hear this. You're gifted. Use it. Stir it up for His glory. No matter the lies of fear the devil puts in your heart, do not be afraid. By the way, there's a whole bunch of other lies. No one will love me. I want this in my life. It'll never happen. Blah, blah, blah. You name it. 
We can talk about lies all day and all night. God loves you too much. And he wants to break that weapon of the devil this morning. Uh, I'm done. That's all I got to say. (laughs) Except God challenged me this week. Two weeks ago I said, the word for the year, does anyone remember? Uh, Maybe three weeks now, the end of December, I, I had a word from God that we are going, lift up your eyes, we're in the, does anyone remember? Let's try again. Harvest. And so I said, God, how's that working? We're a month in almost. Anyone get saved? (laughs) Harvest. And I felt God challenge me. Well, how many are you inviting? And I thought for this year, each week I teach, I'm going to give an invitation for anyone who doesn't know Jesus Christ. So this morning, if you don't know Jesus, or you know Jesus, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. How that better? Maybe you've gone to church your whole life, but you don't truly know him. You're not walking in a relationship with him. Maybe you've walked away. Maybe you're battling. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you, and he rose again. And I want to tell you this morning it's time to come home. For anyone in this room who is battling and running away from God, he is calling you and he is waiting for you and he desires that you would have this living hope of eternity. And the Bible is very clear. If you believe with all your heart in what Jesus has done and you repent and make him Lord of your life, you will be saved. You will be saved. Let's close our eyes this morning before we take communion. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would work in our midst today. Is there anyone in this room who's running or doesn't know the Lord? I want to encourage you to come back to his love. Come to his love the first time. To know his forgiveness. It's not knowing all the stories. It's not knowing about Jesus. It's knowing Jesus. It's deciding to repent from sin and to follow him, to live in his forgiveness, to walk in him. All eyes are closed and heads are bowed. No one's looking, just me. But if you know and you want to respond, just raise your hand this morning. If you would say, yeah, I want to come to know Jesus. I want to come back to Jesus. There might not be anyone, but I want to be faithful each week to give the invitation to the living hope. He loves you so much. Thank you. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Maybe this morning you've been living in fear. You know God's called you or asked you to do something. 
Maybe you're like Timothy. And you just need a dad to come alongside you. The Word of God. God the greatest dad of all. Maybe you're struggling with fear and you need to hear these words. God loves you. Now stir it up and get rolling. God loves you. Stir it up. Stir it up. Oh, there's nothing like a loving dad. It's eyes of love saying enough is enough. Enough fear. We're going to live in love. And we're going to do what God's asked us to do. I don't know what it is. I don't know what He's asking you to do. And I don't even have to know. I just know He loves you. And He wants to use you. And I know He would say, do not be afraid. He says to me and to you this morning, I am with you. And I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I value you. Because I created you. And I have a plan for you. A good plan. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The elements are in the back where we can see this perfect love on display. That we can be thankful and reminded of God's perfect love. And may it cast out all fear this morning. If you need prayer for anything as you retrieve the elements, I or some men or women would love to pray with you. Maybe you don't know your gifts and you just need some prayer that the Lord would show you. Let's just worship Him and His perfect love this morning.